0: Views and opinions expressed on this program are those solely of its speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of WMUA, its Management Board, or the Board of Trustees of the University of Massachusetts. This is Unbeaten. Thanks for tuning in. Great to have you listening. Live from Amherst, Massachusetts, in the basement of the Murray D. Lincoln Campus Center, broadcasting on WMUA 91.1 FM. And online streaming. It is Thursday, February 22nd. Another great show for you. We have a great topic today, so let's get things started. Another Thursday morning, 11 a.m. Man, was it a hot one out yesterday. You know what else is heating up? The MLB free agency. Finally, after a while, after a stalemate of sorts, uh, some players are starting to sign. J.D. Martinez signed with the Red Sox. That was a big deal over the weekend. Um, So he should report to Fort Myers probably as soon as possible, as soon as the deal... uh, Sort of wraps up as they conclude or, I guess you could say, finalize the deal. Martinez signed for five years, $110 million. Uh, That contract won't be finalized, I guess, until he passes his physical. And that will likely happen today, I'm guessing. So, that's good to hear. Until then, uh, manager Alex Cora has declined to discuss the move or the impact that Martinez could make on an offense Uh, that finished, I think it was, fewest homers in the American League, so clearly a team looking for a power bat. Um, Some pop in the middle of the lineup. J.D. Martinez will obviously bring that to this Red Sox team next season. I know that Mitch Moreland signed for the same deal that Chris Young signed for a couple years ago when he was brought on to be the fourth outfielder for the Red Sox. I don't know the contract off the top of my head, but it's very clear that Moreland's going to be more of a role player this season. Definitely not going to see as much time at first base as he did last season. That role will most likely go to Hanley Ramirez, hopefully a more motivated Hanley Ramirez at that last season we saw a slight dip in production, as anyone that watched the Red Sox could sort of easily pick up on. Um, obviously, Hanley still has a lot of pop in his bat; uh, can still have that, you know, power to bring to the middle lineup that would complement J.D. Martinez real nice if he is self-motivated enough this season. But anyway, Hanley Ramirez most likely going to get. The bulk of the time at first base. That leaves the DH spot wide open for J.D. Martinez, uh, where he will most likely settle in very nicely. Um, since David Ortiz left, you know, it was... I know la- after after last uh, or the end of the 2016 season when David Ortiz retired, uh, the 2017 season was supposed to be sort of uh, the, the DH role would be split between Hanley and I'm blanking on the other player. But Hanley was not supposed to be sort of the full-time DH after like a month a month or two of baseball like around like mid-May. It was becoming clear that Hanley uh, was going to be a more solidified DH than we thought. He was playing in that spot sort of, you know, on a daily basis. But now he's hopefully in, you know, because of the dip in production that we saw from him last season, hopefully this move to first would be, you know, the right move for him because I think he's one of those, you know, get in motion, stay in motion kind of guys, kind of players because he definitely seems like, you know, when he wants To win, he'll produce. You know, when he wants to do well, he will produce. Um, In the playoffs, he was one of the only players, you know, producing offense this past postseason for the Red Sox, which isn't saying much considering they won one game. But still, you know, I think that sitting for half an inning or just sitting still, you know, DHing, not doing anything for half an inning, I think probably cooled him down more than he, he thought it would. Um, so, you know, I think if he's moving around, and it's I this might sound like, you know, a little bit of a reach, but I think certainly, like I said, one of those get moving, stay moving kind of guys, I think that if he, you know, is more involved in the team, like he was like the second season he was with us, um, you know, if he's moving around, if he's at first, and then, you know, I think we'll see that translate into his his offensive power. So um, that's coming up soon. I know pitchers and catchers report. We're gonna have spring training games in like a matter of weeks. That's about like all the headlines that we can pretty much cover for Red Sox baseball. I know there's probably some other things we can we can touch upon around the league. Um, some things that we could even talk about that most baseball fans are excited about in the coming. Years or in the next calendar year, uh, as everyone knows, next offseason is a very big offseason with players like Manny Machado, uh, Mike Trout going on, you know, going testing the free agency waters. Bryce Harper is another big name. Uh, so, you know, we could get into that, but we could probably save that for, you know, a later time as that's just so far down the road even though that is, you know, because of the magnitude of that event that will be taking place next offseason, so many baseball fans are already sort of starting to, you know, speculate and wonder where some of these big names will end up going or even if they end up, they could potentially end up staying as well. So uh, with that being said, I think we can transition to, I guess, some Patriots talk more so the Malcolm Butler story Uh, I think what's the the old saying is the truth eventually comes out or something like that so we're slowly starting to get pieces of information in particular we now know that Malcolm Butler knew that he wasn't going to be playing the Super Bowl playing in the Super Bowl a week before the actual Super Bowl Sunday so I think the original report uh, was that he found out roughly right before game time and you know he was crying on the sidelines and the the rest of the world didn't even know that he would be benched for the entirety of the game because when you know the entirety of the world found out, it was that he will not be starting the game and that it was a coaching decision like hours before game time that he was notified. So obviously now we know that's not true. One, we know it's not true. And two, we didn't even know that he was going to be benched for the entirety of the game until about like the fourth quarter and then people, even you could even say the half, um, when he didn't play the first half, you could even say maybe you knew at that point that he wouldn't be playing the entirety of the game. Because when he didn't come out to start the second half, I think most people knew that at this point he at that point he would be sitting out for the entire game. Um, so, so some of the truth has definitely come out. We we're learning more and more as the day goes on. I believe that we will definitely get to the bottom of this. It won't. There's no way this will go unresolved, um, or that the truth won't come out. Some way or another, it will slip out. I know. I think it was Devin McCourty uh, that said that Malcolm Butler knew about, you know, not playing in the Super Bowl a week before. Ha- <coughs> excuse me, beforehand. So, I think the fact that this comes from Devin McCourty speaks to larger volumes than most people think. Be- just because he's such a you know a trusted veteran presence on the team. I think if it were coming from anyone else, which it wouldn't be anyway because, you know, these players aren't allowed to speak to the media the way somebody like Devin McCordy would be able to. Um, you know, you almost think that this has to be like that, you know, Bill decided that something had to come out that the the public needed to be debriefed. And it's almost as if they chose Devin McCordy to be you know, the spokesperson for the team because it just seems so appropriate that he would be the one, I know in in the past he's been the voice, you know, of reason for the team or the one to sort of speak out about issues that, um, you know, Bill wouldn't even, you know, dream of asking another player to speak to the media about. So definitely I don't think that this is Devin McCourty sort of just doing what he thinks is right, I definitely think that you know, somebody higher up or a, ma- a majority of the team decided that the press needed to know something about the Malcolm Butler issue, and they chose to have that expressed through McCourty's, uh statement that was given the other day. So now we know about that. So that's all we know about that. I'm not going to harp on that too much more. Um, sort of having ourselves a Boston sports-type recap day, at least for the first half of the show. Um, I think we'll move on to the Bruins next. The NHL's hottest team, I guess you could say, um, in terms of their latest, what they've accomplished as of late. Obviously, they're not the best team in the sense that they don't have the most points. But they did just make a trade for Rangers defenseman Nick Holden uh, the team announced that on Tuesday in return the Rangers will get Rob Ogara and a third round pick in uh, basi- basically Nick Holden uh, age 30 he's got 1.65 million left on his contract. Um, he's been playing uh, the top pairing minutes with the Rangers so definitely an uh, impressive defenseman the rangers as a side note have not been playing uh, that well this season if it weren't for you know the the superb play of hendrik Lundqvist, uh they would be even worse than they are now which they have to figure out but that's just a side note also a quick thing of note uh some some bruins trade rumors Jerome Aginla has been spotted at Providence Bruins uh at a Providence Bruins practice on Tuesday um the Bruins traded for Nick Holden like we just said and now it has been said that 4 months after hip surgery J- Jerome Aguinla is on the ice with the <laughs> with the Providence Bruins, Aginla said, I'd love to still play. This is kind of the first step, getting out here and seeing how it is. I wanted to see if I can still go. I don't have any deals at this point. He was spotted wearing the Providence Bruins jersey. That's most likely practice protocol, that he's in uniform. Uh, Clearly, he says he hasn't reached a deal at this point, which I'm guessing would be true. Aginla, age 40, has not played yet this season due to the hip surgery that we just mentioned. He scored 13 goals and 13 assists in 80 games last season with the Los Angeles Kings. Um, Aginla, as you know, played for the Bruins a few years ago. At this point, as exciting as a pl- of a player as he was for us a, f- a few years ago, and even in his prime years, he was such a dominant force, but at this point, I don't know how confidently I can endorse him uh, simply because of his age, uh, I know there are players in the NHL that can sustain a high level of play at an older age, but at this point, you know he's coming off of a pretty serious hip injury, and the Bruins are already in such a good spot with you know some some young guys really starting to mesh and form some chemistry. I'm not sure that it's worth the risk to you know at least take him on at the uh, at the, the pro level. I mean, if you want to sign him to a minor league contract with the, the Providence Bruins, I could I could possibly see the rationale behind that, you know, adding to some, some depth and whatnot. But at this point, I think you have to keep, you know, the, the Boston Bruins roster, you know, somewhat intact as they're having a lot of success right now. Uh, With that being said, we're going to go to break real quick. Stay with us. Second half of the show, we're going to recap some UMass athletics. This is WMUA Sports. UMass Men and Women Basketball at WMUA is supported by listeners like you and by Collective Copies, a worker-owned print shop with a mission. Printing, publishing, and promotion, 11 worker owners who share over 150 years of experience in the print industry are there to help you at every step. Collective Copies in Amherst and Florence and online 24-7 at collectivecopies.com. Welcome back to Unbeaten. Thanks for staying with us. This is WMUA 91.1 FM. You can stream us online at WMUA.org. Just click the Listen Live link. Uh, So now we're going to go into some UMass athletics. Primarily today I want to cover UMass women's lacrosse. Easily, undoubtedly, the best athletics team on this campus um, the minute women are going to carry a lot of extra players this season uh, in uh, especially midfielders uh, for the this 2018 regular season the minute women uh, will boast an extensive roster of 36 players uh, I think in general the the teams are capped at usually like you know, 32, 33, at max 34. So they're carrying 36 players this year. A lot of them are midfielders. Um, head coach Angela McMahon announced uh, also the addition of two new head, uh, excuse me, assistant coaches, uh, Jonna Drummond from Marist College and Zoe Ochoa, uh, who was the star goalie at Boston College for a while. Obviously, uh, Boston College, very uh, strong women's lacrosse program. And they're going to help alleviate the responsibilities. It's not like, uh, you know, she's – McMahon has coached without assistant coaches because, you know, that's always been a thing. But um, now, you know, there's two new coaches, and definitely I think that will help alleviate the pressure, especially where you have um, Ochoa just being such a, so knowledgeable in the uh, – the assistant coach role as as a as a goalie coach, I guess, or that can specialize in you know working with the goalies, just because you know that was the position that she was so superb at. Um, so McMahon said, "We have three coaches, including myself and a volunteer. Um, having that extra person definitely helps on the days that the volunteer coach can do thing can be there and do things." So definitely uh, there's going to be you know the two coaches, there, and then it sounds like an assistant, uh, sort of a volunteer type thing. But uh, the midfield squad, like I said, it's going to be very large, going to feature 15 players of the 36. There will be 11 attack uh, players, eight, de- eight on defense, two goaltenders. Um, and that will make up the entirety of the team. Uh, McMahon said the bulk of our large population is in the midfield. We've taken a route similar to hockey in lines and shifts, so having it segmented that way is good. We've got middies that can play on offense and middies that can play on defense. You need that many people in that position. Uh, So the Minute Women, their bulk scoring came via committee last season, 246 of the 330 total team goals. That's 74.5%, so three-quarters of their scoring came from The top five players, or from five players. Hannah Burnett, Kylie Anderson, Hannah Murphy, who has graduated, Holly Turner, and Callie Santos. So each of those five players had 40-plus goals on the season. Um, Like I said, Hannah Murphy uh, will not be returning as she has graduated. Um, McMahon said, I think the midfield depth, the amount of players, and the skill they bring... uh, is huge in uh, addition to our roster this spring. Uh, Kylie Anderson, as a side note, the UMass uh, midfielder, tallied four goals in the season opener, uh, Saturday's season opener against Dartmouth College. Anderson, a redshirt junior, will be a veteran presence, I think, to uh, really lead this midfield group, especially where there's just going to be such a large quantity of them. They're going to need to look towards that uh, high-scoring veteran that knows what they're doing. Um, McMahon said, In the past, we've been a little thin in terms of quantity, Uh, speaking particularly of her midfielders. She said, Now having these bodies is really going to help us in the transition game and enable us to have more than two solid units we can rotate through. So like she said earlier in uh, one of her quotes, they're definitely transitioning more into that line approach uh, the rules will be shifting in the NCAA women's lacrosse world. Um, free position plays uh, will, I think, time will no longer be stopped. I don't completely understand the rule, but it's going to be more of a fast-paced game. Less whistle, uh, wes- less whistles being blown, less stoppage of play. So it's going to make for a lot more high-intensity running. Uh, in where, you know, in the midfielder position is such an important... Uh, position in lacrosse because it's the transition game and it's nothing but running. So if there's going to be high intensity, you know, sprint battles between the middies, you're definitely going to need lines and sort of groups that can be able to be subbed on and off. If you know you're going to want try to be as effective as possible, uh, because the goal now is to minimize fatigue. Uh, so I think I think that's exactly the approach that McMahon and uh, the Minute Women are, you know, a- approaching this year. Um, so she said, "Yep, there's a lot of new rules being implemented. In the past, we had to stop on every foul, and you couldn't move. Now it's free movement. So we just sort of covered on that. Um, so the new uh, rule will also eliminate." the major and minor penalties in free movement, um, as they will now be categorized as delay fouls. So offensive players will be allowed a free movement after penalty calls, enabling them to either take one step or pass from the spot of the foul before the defender is able to engage. So as you can see, that's going to create a much more faster-paced game listed on the NCAA uh, website for the 2018-19 and Women's Lacrosse Rule Changes the rationale behind the change is to, quote, increase the pace of play, permit more consistency, and improve the safety of the game, end quote. So I think I, I agree with definitely increase of play, um, permit more consistency, I'd, I guess, I don't, maybe there, were, there, was, there was too much confusion, so maybe this rule eliminates that and there's more consistency in the rules. Um, in terms of improving safety, Uh, I'm not really sure how that improves safety. But, um, yep, moving on. And sort of wrapping up women's lacrosse here, uh, they're going to look to capture their 10th straight Atlantic 10 title. Um, Very impressive. They're going to try to improve on last season's record of 17-4. But, you know, this team is just in the time that McMahon has taken over. As the head coach, uh, this team has just been absolutely dominant in the la- in the past few years. They've won more than you know. I think any other program, for the exception of Maryland, which is Maryland is like the you know the top notch program for women's lacrosse. I think they're right now they're even number one in the country. So to be to be right behind them in the number two spot in terms of wins over the last few years it speaks incredible volumes like I said best best athletics team on campus be really exciting to get out to some of those games at Garber they uh, are not at home for a while until they're not at home until like mid-march like uh, I said if I didn't say this already they just played their season opener against Dartmouth at home and then they just played Boston College yesterday on the road. Uh, They're going to have like three more road games before they return to Garber, before they come back here to Amherst. So um, they're definitely disadvantaged in that sense because there's something crazy like 29-1 at home. So you would think that there'd be more home games on the schedule this season, but there's only like six or seven, I I believe. But anyway, moving on, uh, next subject... Since I don't have a team, another team that I can uh, really go in depth and break down to analyze, I think we'll just uh, roll through some of the scrolling headlines on the UMass Athletics website because this is what we like to do in the second half of the show and dedicate uh, it to UMass sports. So Collins and Mulligan will share UMass student-athlete of the week honors. Collins, who is a men's track and field junior. And Mulligan, as we know, the women's basketball senior, who is who plays center for the Minute Women. Uh, both landed strong performances uh, over the past week, so they will earn uh, Student Athlete of the Week honors. Very cool for them. Connolly tab CAA, Men's Lacrosse Rookie of the Week, the freshman attackman scored four goals in a 13-9 to win over Sacred Heart. That's men's lacrosse. So very uh, very nice performance from him. Koza and Bradenbot earn A10 weekly honors. Jenna Koza was named A10 Player of the Week after hitting five home runs, which I now think she has more home runs than strikeouts. Let that sink in for a second. Quinn um, Bradenbatch, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right, she went 2-0 uh, from the mound, or from the circle, rather, um, in these past few games. So the Minute Women softball off to another strong start. Uh, they are also strong contenders to win the A-10. I believe they were runners-up last season. Uh, last night, Men's basketball, excuse me, uh, women's basketball played Richmond. We also have, uh, men's basketball hosting VCU. Both men's and women's basketball is starting to wind down. A-10 tournaments are coming up. I believe women's is first in D.C., I believe it is, um... Or maybe that's men's. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I know women's comes first, their tournament comes first, and then the men's tournament uh, will follow. Uh, Also, UMass's Collins wins Heptathlon title at A-10 Championship, the track and field athlete. Um, The Minutemen earned three medals on the day, and two of which came in the conference meet or excuse me, on day two of the conference meet. So three medals on day two of the conference meet. Uh, switching over to the women's side of track and field, six medals were collected on day two of A-10 competition. So big big day two for both Mass men and women's track. Harris earned a silver in the high jump and in the 60-meter hurdles. Not to mention, she also broke her own school record In the 60-meter hurdles, uh, the school record stood at, or I don't even know, but she ran 8.58 seconds. That's the new school record, uh, the one she just broke. So congratulations to her, UMass Athletics. Looking good like always. That's about all the time we have on the show today. Before I wrap up, just going to go over some, uh, some basic things, where to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at R B. Be- Excuse me. You can follow us at Unbeaten U N B E A T O N Show, Unbeaten Show, on Twitter. You can follow my personal Twitter at Rye Underscore Beaten. And don't forget to subscribe to our show on the Apple Podcast app. That's that little purple app if you have an iPhone. If you have an Android, you can find us on Google Play, I believe. So definitely check us out there. All the replays are uploaded um, immediately after the live show so you can catch anything you missed through that platform. Thanks again, guys, for listening this week. We will see you exactly at the same spot Thursday, 11 p.m. next week. Hope everyone has a great week. See you later.